Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Gang, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. Just got back from the Uncharted Staff Drama Conference. How did it go, you ask? Let me tell you this. If I was entering Uncharted into a contest of conferences, of the five Uncharted that we've done, this is the one I would put in. It was amazing. It was amazing. Let me say it once more. It was amazing. I loved it. It was deep and powerful, and we just did awesome stuff, and the CE was fantastic, and, and just it just was incredible. I've got a, uh, a post-conference podcast uh, with Stephanie coming up. We're going to drop that probably next week. You'll get that. We did a live podcast from the Fetch Conference. We've got that in the queue to come to you, and it was wild. We had a big audience, a couple hundred people checking out the podcast, and we had fun with that. So that is going to be coming very soon. One of the things that came out of the conference, people said, hey, look, Andy, you film these uh, workshops and there's so much great stuff at once, we don't get to go to everything. So we love going back and watching these workshops. But one of the best parts is doing the workshop and then being able to talk to our fear, to our friends and ask questions to the speakers. Andy, what do you think about having some watch parties for the conference? And I said, oh, heck yes. Yes, let's do that. And so we are going to be doing that. Details coming soon, but we are fixing that up. If you missed the conference and you're kicking yourself, join the online community. The the um, the live streams are already there, so you can watch what we filmed live and, and put out. We will be having the other workshops and main stage talks and mic drops. They are coming soon this year. We're getting faster at turning stuff around, and so those things are going to be coming out. And then there'll be watch parties and discussion groups following those workshops online. Head over to unchartedvet.com, get your membership, get in the online school, grab a hold of the action. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, You don't want to miss it. So with that, let's go ahead and start this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. Don't hate me because you ain't me, Gus. (laughs) How's it going, Andy? Man, it's so good, so good. I've got, uh, I've got a fun one today. I'm excited. Are you ready for it? I am. I am ready? ready. Lay it on me. I am ready. Um. So we get emails. If you ever have questions from me and Steph, and you want us to tackle them, just shoot us an email at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Podcast at unchartedvet.com. Give us enough backstory to work with it, and if you want a pseudonym, just give it. Give yourself one. Uh, I do love a good pseudonym. So, so we will. We will. Keep you anonymous unless you <laughs> specifically tell us not to. That's our default. So, all right. We want to. We want to know about your alter ego. <laughs> we totally want to know about your alter ego. Okay, so so here we go. Uh, I got an email, and it is from a veterinarian, and he is frustrated. And what is happening is that a technician at his practice came along and told him, "Hey, uh, the uh, the other uh, doctors." are uh, talking about you and they're saying that you um, that you're not doing your share of the work and uh, just so you know that they're, they've been sort of talking about you and 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 you know I just I felt like you need a, at least a heads up Ooh. and so the veterinarian says he says here's what's happening the other two vets stay late at night and I don't 
I don't mess around. I write up my charts as I go. I do not chit chat and hang out and they do. I get shit done. And so he said, I go in, I see appointments, I write them up. I, you know, jump in, I help in, I help with walk-ins. I help with, um, with emergencies and then I'm out and they are always there after I am gone. And I don't know what to do about it. He said they get paid on salary. So, um, so it wasn't obvious what anybody made, but he went and uh, asked for his numbers uh, relative to the doctors. He said, how am I doing? And he was told that he is actually the highest producing doctor in the practice. Mm-hmm. And so his question is, what do I do about this? Right. I'm doing, I'm doing as much work as they are. They, they think that I'm not because I'm not staying late because they're there much later than me. Uh, should I talk to them? Should I not talk to them? Uh, I, you know, like, is this going to hurt me if they're, <laughs> if they're saying stuff and the, and the staff knows, what do I do? And so that is the, uh, that's the question that's being asked. Do you have initial thoughts on this? Oh man, this is a hard one. Um, I think, I think first and foremost, because nobody wants to feel like they're not liked by their peers and nobody wants to feel like their peers are talking about them. Um, And so I think that that that's a hard spot, right? Because immediately the, you go on the defense and you think about, well, all these are all the things that I do for them. And I help with the emergencies and I help with walk-ins and I'm, I'm doing all of these things. Why is this, why is this an attack on me? Right? Like, I think that's human nature to feel like, uh, let me, let me, what am I doing? Am I doing something wrong? You know, I, I think that that's our normal tendency to look, to look inward and take it personally, even if, the the what that they are frustrated by is is not um personal. Yeah, I think this is crappy if you're the vet. I think this is a super easy management problem if you're not the vet. Yeah. So that's that's why I like. <laughs> so I I totally know where this vet is is coming from because I have been that guy. I have been the guy who uh gets my stuff done. Mm-hmm. I will tell you this if you ever hear me talk about exam room productivity uh, or ever talk about working um, working exam rooms guys I'm a massive believer I'm a hardcore advocate of putting your notes in as you finish that appointment before going to the next appointment mm-hmm. and people go I don't have time for that I think that you do I mm-hmm. think that you do better medical records you are less likely to miss things I think we need to be more efficient in how we put in medical records so we cover our bases and we give the next vet the op- the ability to pick up our case and run with it straight out of the gate yes I don't think you're doing anybody any favors so I worked with uh, veterinarians that I loved I loved them as people but they would not write up charts until the end of the day and then they would dilly dally that's the other thing too is they go oh I'm gonna write them at the end of the day and then they would goof off and talk to the techs or talk to the, you know, to the front desk or talk to the clients and just like, oh, you know, I'm not really doing anything. And it's because mentally they put charts to the end of the day. And so time that they could be banging out charts, they're just not. And I think we all we all know how that goes. Right. Mm-hmm. It's we are not maximally productive all the time, generally. And if we start once we start putting charts off to the end of the day, they just it just piles up. Like you're just in my opinion, in my experience, you're toast. And the other thing is, I think, I think vet schools do a crappy job of training doctors in medical records. And 
when you're in vet school, they're like, write up these medical records and we're going to grade you on completeness and thoroughness. And so you're writing <laughs> three pages, you know, 3,000 words of text about this thing, which is crap. It's awful. It's counterproductive for the practice. I need, as a veterinarian, I need to pick up the chart, know what happened in the last time or in previous visits, what this person was told, and what the next steps are, and convey that to me as efficiently as possible, and I can be more informed and do better medicine than if you do the opposite, which is sitting and writing three pages of backstory, because I'm not going to read it, and neither is any other veterinarian. Well, and I think that it is also really easy, not to interrupt your um, diatribe, but it also is just <laughs> as easy to not find the information in three pages worth of notes as it is in a chart that's not written up. Like, the the reality is, I, I've also worked with doctors on the flip side who are like, oh, I'll get to that chart when I get to it. And two weeks later, the chart's still not written up, right? And then you're trying to pick up the slack and figure out where they left off. I could look at a completely blank chart and have no information, but also it is just as hard to wade through one of those records where there's like 16 pages of notes because it is very easy on on for the opposite reason to completely miss what the actual information is because it's buried amongst 10 million other things. And so I I love that you advocate for that. And I do agree with you that that it is something that most veterinarians are very insufficiently prepared for in terms of the reality of what is important and how it is best tackled in terms of writing charts um, in, in actual real practice. Hello? Yeah. No. Okay. All right. I'll do it. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, the uh, Uncharted legal team has uh, weighed in to say that I will read the three pages that you write. <laughs> But I will be resentful the whole time that I do it. <laughs> and I'm going to be mad because I have to read this massive, you know, tome that Leo Tolstoy, the DVM, wrote for me. Well, so, and but from a so, and I totally agree with you. And I and I am not saying that. And I'm always the one person who's like, but did you, but did you read the chart? And my doctors are really great about saying yes. But where it becomes an issue is for the team. Like if the team has a client on the phone and they're trying to answer a question and you're asking them to go through, you know, the three pages of records, that's where the stuff gets missed. And so I think you do have a point about finding a very good, happy medium in being clear and concise with how you write your medical records. Yeah. So the takeaway point I guess I'm trying to make is medical records can be chipped away at during the day. And if you do them as the cases are there... I know it slows you down for 90 seconds from getting to getting to the next appointment, but it saves you so much time at the end of the day because you're not trying to remember back to what you did. Not writing up charts is not acceptable. Like that is not, that is not a acceptable standard of care. I would say overwriting charts is a real problem. And I know super wonderful conscientious doctors that do this and they write pages and pages and pages. It is uh, they are making it less easy for people to interpret. It is harder for the staff to find things in the chart when the client is on the phone or when they come in. It is hard for the next doctor to read everything. It goes back to the old, um, I think it's William Shakespeare had a quote or something about, um, I'm sorry, uh, for the length of my letter, it would have been shorter, but I didn't have time. It was something like that. And the point just being, 
it takes more thought to write something concisely than it does just a word vomit. And I have, I have worked with doctors like that that are wonderful, but they stay at the clinic three hours after their shift is over mm-hmm. writing up these charts and is it wears on them. And they oftentimes, you know, they go home in tears and they go, I'm in the clinic all the time. I think the medical record stuff and just being efficient in what we do, I think we've got to master this. And so when we go back to our case study here and we have the veterinarian who the other vets are frustrated with because he is gone, if he truly is efficient and he's writing acceptable medical records that convey the required uh, information, it's it's not on him. He's being efficient. He's got a system. He's getting stuff done. He's not messing around. He's instead of having chat time or Facebook chime, he's banging out medical records in between appointments and getting that stuff done. It's, it's not on him. Okay. So that's, that's just the reality of the situation. How do we know that if we go and we look at production and we have a doctor who the other vets say, well, he's not, He's not doing stuff. He's not getting it done. He's cheating. He's not taking cases. And we look and the production bears that out and go, oh man, everybody else is seeing more appointments than you, working up more appointments more thoroughly than you, doing more callbacks because they're doing more diagnostics. You really are sandbagging it. That's a different issue. And if we look and if that's not the case, then their inefficiency should not penalize this veterinarian. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I see when I look at the problem. None of that really matters. Now that we've walked all the way through it, to me, <laughs> none of it really matters. This is a straight up gossip problem. That's why I said this is easy management. Like, let's just tear it apart. So we can talk about the vet and it's not fair and he does this and he gets out of this time. I have been that vet. I have felt that frustration of people being irritated that I went home. And I can still point to my numbers and be like, look, I... Show me that you did more work than me. Um, it's not about the time that you spend in the clinic. That doesn't matter. That's not a metric mm-hmm. of success. Mm-hmm. It's patient care. It's a number of patients seen. That's it. You know, and it's, and it's, it's, does the staff enjoy working with you and do you treat them well? Are you contributing to our positive culture? Those are the things that I care about. Mm-hmm. How long you're in the building beyond your required shift of seeing appointments, I mm-hmm. do not care about. This is a straight up gossip problem. The problem doesn't come from the veterinarian. It comes from people in the clinic telling stories about someone else, not going directly to that person to talk about the problem and negatively affecting the culture. Why are they negatively affecting culture? Because they're stressing my homeboy vet out. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. He's like, man, people are talking about me and I don't care how tough of a sod you have. When you know people that at your work are talking about you and they're saying negative things, that, that eats at you. That stress that you don't need. That's mm-hmm. gossip. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think um, in the the story, um, I think it's really easy to see that this is a person who really cares highly, not only about the work that they're doing and the job that they're doing, but about their team. And I will say like you, I have been on in, in a different way on the receiving end of this from the team feeling like I am, I am busting my butt and I am doing everything that I possibly can to meet everybody's needs. And, and yet I'm still, there are still people who are like, oh, well, you're not doing this or you're not doing that. It, it hurts. 
it feels really, really crappy. And even if you have thick skin, which I would like to think at this point in my career I do, um, and even if you have the ability to just be be like Elsa and let it go, um, it it wears on you after a while. Like the the feeling like people are talking about you, it weighs heavily. Absolutely. So let's talk about about gossip, right? It does weigh, right? It's demoralizing. The person being gossiped about feels anxiety. They can feel depressed. Uh, they feel excluded. They feel isolated. It, it's crappy to morale. If you've got gossip, especially at, at the clinic level, right? So I don't know about this particular case because we're talking about one instance. I wonder how much gossip goes on across the organization. Is mm-hmm. this the one thing that people are gossiping about? Or is this the thing for this week that people are gossiping about? Mm-hmm. Gossip damages the culture. And for me, and it's sort of uncharted core belief, culture first. Mm-hmm. Culture is the cornerstone. Culture makes this job worth doing. Culture makes your practice worth going to work for. Mm-hmm. All comes from culture. Gossip damages culture. You're always keeping your guard up. You're always feeling crappy. And you know... If you're not being included in the gossip, it's just because the gossip this week is about you. Right. So, so those are, those are all really good reasons why it's a problem, but why, why do we see it happening in this case? Do you think? Um, three, three reasons, right? Um, I think there's three reasons that we see gossip in practice, right? Number one is a lack of knowledge in the practice. And so a lot of times you see people and they start to gossip. It's because the clinic is their world, right? So you come in, you spend all this time there and your friends are there and this is your world. And when there are things that are going on, especially management level things, and the staff doesn't know about those things, if you really deprive your people of information, gossip is what they will cling to, to get around that. If they don't know what's going on, then they will hypothesize what's going on and then that will get turned into fact and that will get passed around. So mm-hmm. if, um, if you are, if the practice manager is leaving and people don't know what's going to happen next or who's going to be the practice manager, that is a stressful situation for the team because they want to know what their world is going to be like in six months. Mm-hmm. And so they invite that invites gossip. You, you know, if, um, if, so-and-so is going to get promoted, but that hasn't been announced yet. You know, knowledge is power and and that is going to get passed around. Uh, and people, they want to know that. So a lack of knowledge Mm -hmm. about what is going on in the practice that really drives that number two. Uh, and this might be more the case here. It's a coping mechanism, right? And so say that you are one of the other doctors and you're staying late and you're frustrated and you're not getting to go home. Guys, that's that's an existential problem of, you know, I work all the time, I'm burning out. What do I do? Let's let's empathize with 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 these people because they're really trying to do a good job and maybe they're not as efficient as they could be. Mm-hmm. Not bad people, and you know, and that's just I think we've all been inefficient at times. Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever the reason is. But I will tell you from a personal standpoint, it's a whole lot easier to decide that the other veterinarian is cheating 
that they, yeah, that they're cheating. It's a whole lot easier to decide that they are cheating and point a finger at them and say, cheater, he's a cheater. It's mm -hmm. a whole lot easier to do that than to point a finger at myself and go, maybe I'm not being as efficient as I could be. Maybe I am really going to have to sort out this need of mine to be complete in my medical records with my desire to, to go home, you know? And, and, and I, that was a conversation that I had with a veterinarian back in the day when this was my problem is I really cared deeply about this other veterinarian. She could not just write the chart and go. She felt like she was not doing her job if she didn't write a complete transcript of every conversation she had on the telephone and it was killing her. And I, you know, and, and, and I told her that, but like the pain, if you guys have ever seen a perfectionist in pain, usually what happens is the perfectionist is determined to do it the right way. And he or she doesn't have time to do it the right way. Guys, that is a person in internal turmoil. And we are a profession full of perfectionists. And so I wonder if that's maybe not what other vets are feeling. My point being rather than try to figure out how to address that in yourself, it's a heck of a lot easier to point at somebody else and say, he is cheating. That's the problem. And we externalize it. Yeah. I was going to say that in, in reading through the, um, in reading through the case story that, that we have, um, the thing that was going through my head was jealousy. I, and, and I don't think jealousy can, can be, um, a healthy thing if we can use it to to look deeper at what is causing the the feeling and really like you said point point the finger back the fingers back at ourselves before we point it at someone else and look at what is causing that for us but when i think about the other doctors they are staying late they are there late this other doctor is getting out on time they are getting to take breaks they're getting to leave the clinic in the middle of the day these other doctors are you know working through their lunch they're not taking breaks they're making phone calls they're doing all of the things and and really i think that the root of why they are talking about it is because they they are jealous and they are frustrated that someone else is getting to have things that they want and they don't know how to get them, whether it's they're not capable on a personal level of time management and um, the efficiency skills that are needed to practice at, at the level that this vet is practicing at, or whether they, um, you know, I think from a numbers perspective, I think it was very smart for this vet to look at it and see, well, am I really seeing less cases? Am I really doing less work than they are? Maybe there is an inequality here. And I think that that they, by looking at that, that's why I love sharing numbers with the doctors because it, it takes the personal out of that jealousy. When yeah. you put the numbers there, it puts it in a black and white. There, there are not the shades of gray that are so easy to feel when you look at another person who has something that you want and you don't know how to attain it, um, when you when you correlate the numbers to that, it becomes so much easier to say, okay, well, that really isn't the case. So then what? Then, then it becomes harder, but you do have to look at the fingers pointing back at you while you're pointing at someone else to say, what are they doing that I, that I am not? Or what do I need to change so that I can do things 
more in a manner um, so that I have the same results that they do. Right. And I, that fits, I think, with the coping mechanism part. To your point, gossip is absolutely 100% a weapon that some people pick up and use. Mm -hmm. There are bullies that use gossip. We've all seen a bully mm -hmm. start rumors about people to hurt them. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've seen it as a, as a weapon. We've seen it bullies. We've seen it passive aggressive people. You know, we definitely say that the, the last thing I guess I would sort of throw out on top of this too, is sometimes it's just, it's boredom. Sometimes if people are standing around and they have time on their hands, they talk about people. Why? Because people that we work with are interesting. And so you can get people's attention if we talk about them. And that's, <laughs> that's a bad, that's just a bad habit, but that's boredom. Mm -hmm. We're hanging around, uh, the, as a manager, that's easy to fix mm -hmm. is we, you know, we've got, we've oh, got man. people to do. <laughs> and if, you know, if gossip is coming up, then you guys need to have more stuff to do. And, and I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. If you, if you think that you don't have something to do, just go ask your manager. I guarantee you he or she will have 25 things that you could do. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So so what do we what do we do here? So to my friend who who writes in, we can talk about this being gossip. It doesn't help him for me to say that. What what is what does he do? Do you have any advice off the top? Oh man, um, I think I uh, I applaud him because I think that um, like I said, I my first advice would have been to put my manager hat on and, and look at numbers and look at absent of the personality and personal um, pieces of the situation. What do, what do the numbers say? What, you know, look at, look at all of the things are you're paid on salary. So you don't have the production piece of it to tie to that but what do the actual numbers that you are producing say are you guys doing things on par with one another is another doctor actually doing more surgery are they doing significantly more lab work are they seeing significantly more appointments the metrics really help with sorting through a lot of these things and often it is not the doctor's first inclination to go to the numbers, that's often something that a manager has to put on that hat and say, well, why don't we look at this? So I really, first and foremost, applaud this doctor for getting into the weeds and looking at that because that is where I would have gone as a manager to see, are there actually differences here that we do need to look at? Are there, not only are there differences, but are there inequalities that we need to look at? And the numbers will tell you that much more black and white than the feelings of the people who are involved. Right. I, I agree with that completely. So I, I love this doctor's approach. The first thing was let's consider what's being said here mm -hmm. and, um, and look for honest feedback. And so he goes and he checks his numbers to say, am I, am I cheating? Am I doing less than these other people? Mm -hmm. And, and gathering information, which is great because I think the first thing that we all want to do is immediately get defensive and go, that's garbage. That's not true. Right. I don't need to hear that noise. He was like, well, you know what? Let's go. Let's go make sure. Let me confirm that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I, I love that. And internal validation is going to be key here. If you are this doctor 
and people are saying these things about you and you have checked and you know what the numbers are, uh, this is going to be a thing where you have to decide, are you doing a good job or do you need to make a change? And if you decide I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing, we're going to have to look for internal validation because the other vets are not in agreement. And that, that can be difficult. When I, um, when I started working at a clinic years ago, it was a clinic, it was mixed animal uh, clinic. And so they did on call for mixed animal stuff. And I interviewed for the job. And during the interview, they said, I know you don't do mixed animal work because I'd always, always just done dog and cats. And I always said, that's, I, I do business and dogs and cats. And that's as much as I can fit in my brain and be a good doctor. And I haven't touched large animal stuff since vet school. <laughs> and, and I just said that up front, straight up front. <laughs> this is the deal. And they said, we know you don't do large, uh, mixed animal stuff or large animal stuff. But the other doctors take call to cover large animal. Would you take call? So you just you don't have to see appointments during the regular, but you would be on the call schedule. And I said, I'm sorry, I, I, that's not good for the patients. It's not good for me. I, I, I don't have that knowledge. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. do that work. If you need to hire somebody else, I totally understand. Mm -hmm. I'd love to be here, but that's, that's, I, that's not me. Mm -hmm. And I was just straight up front. And then uh, for a while, and I totally understand this, every six months or so, some of the other doctors would get irritated that I didn't take call. And they did, which I totally understand because if mm -hmm. I was there, I would have been irritated. Mm -hmm. And then that would come up and there would be some discussion and people would say, well, Andy doesn't take call and this isn't fair, blah, blah, blah. And I would get pulled back into this again and again. And at some point I had a choice to make and say, well, do I feel like I should start to do this? Or do I feel like I was up front and I said what my boundaries were and I was clear at the beginning and I'm going to stand by it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I decided I'm going to stand by it. And I would just say, said this when I interviewed, this is where I am. This is what I do. I totally understand uh, why I'd be frustrating for people, but that's not, that's not where I am. And I've just been upfront about that. Mm -hmm. And it's still, as if you're somebody who wants to be liked, if you're somebody who wants your colleagues to, to see value in you and really respect you, having those types of boundaries and saying, well, you know, I, I am doing what I said I would do. And I'm going to continue to do that. That can be really challenging. And so I think I think our writer has a couple options. He can do what he's doing now and say, I am I am confident and comfortable in what I'm doing. Or he can start staying late to appease these other doctors. And I would say, I think that's a terrible idea. Mm. I, I mm. wouldn't do it. But that doesn't make it emotionally easier. You've got to be able to self-validate or else you're going to get sucked into those things. Well, and I think that this is a, a really good example of where if you are not, in some cases, this veterinarian might be a practice owner or the, the medical director or the boss. But I would say if you are not in that role, then I I would say this is a really good example of where leadership is your friend and where you should ask for help because I don't think that it is your place to mediate that conflict with the other veterinarians in the practice. I think that there is someone else who is probably much better suited to that than, than you are. So if you are not the manager or the boss doctor, I, I definitely think this is where you should have a conversation with your practice manager or with your practice owner and just say, Hey, 
this came to my attention. It doesn't have to be about the gossip or how it came to your attention, but just saying this came to my attention. I don't want to feel like the other doctors are frustrated. This is what I've done to try and solve the problem. I looked at the numbers. I, I looked at what I'm doing. Um, what can, what else can I do to try and make this situation better for them? Because as you said, I don't want to change. I don't want to have to start staying late. I don't want to do the things that they are doing because I am arguably having a better outcome than them with completely different processes. And so how can I help look at this situation as a whole, but with a little bit of distance from it, because you should not have to get in the middle of that. Yeah, I completely agree. When it comes to gossip, uh, if you're not management, if you're not the boss, I do not, I do not engage. There's just, there's too much opportunity for yeah. things to go wrong here. You don't have the power to make change. Right. I, I just, I, I know. And so that's what I would say to, to this veterinarian is your one move is to go to management and say, this was reported to me. I heard, you know, that, that other veterans are frustrated because of this. I have not contacted them directly but I wanted to make you aware that this is what, this is what I'm hearing and that, and that they're telling the the rest of the staff or they're telling the other technicians and, and I would go and I would hand it off, but this needs to be a management problem. Mm-hmm. So if your management and this veterinarian comes to you and says, one of the, one of the technicians, I don't want to tell you which one, one of the technicians has come and told me that the other veterinarians are talking about this and they're frustrating and they're saying that I'm, I'm cheating or that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. How do you handle that? <laughs> what do you do? What do you what do? do? You- that's that's such a hard one. Um, I think a lot of it um, goes back to your um, comment that you made in the beginning about culture needing to be at the first and foremost. And so as a manager, I would ask myself, what is the, practice culture, if it's generally acceptable as part of the practice culture for gossip to happen, you have bigger problems. And this is, this is only going to make those worse. Um, And so it may be, it may have to be a completely different conversation. And that is not what, what today's podcast episode is about. But I, I just want to recognize that, that I think you have to look at what is your practice culture. And if this is a part of that, and it fits in line with that, you, you need to take a hard look at how do you solve that because that is a much bigger problem. But yeah. if it is not a part of your practice culture, I think that there are some things that you can do um, to, to deal with the process. Um, I think to me, one of the, one of the fundamental lessons that I learned early on as a manager um, that has stuck with me and served me so, so well is that, um, there is always at least two sides to every story and the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle. Yes. And so the first thing that I would do as a manager is hear out this veterinarian and get the hearsay that, that they obtained and apologize for the impact that that had to them. Cause nobody wants to feel like people are talking about them. Nobody wants to be in that position where you feel like you're being gossiped about and say, look, I want to help you. I am committed to, to working on this. I would like to get some more information. And then my next step would be to talk to the other doctors. I would, I would cut out the technicians altogether because that's just more in the telephone chain of things. Um, It sounds like from this example, and I would go to the other doctors and just say, Hey, 
I feel like there may be some concerns. Um, you know, I, I have seen you guys staying late. I have, you know, I've, I've seen your timestamps on your chart entries and you guys are here until, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night. What's going on? How can I help you? Don't make it about someone told you that they were talking about, about um, the other doctor in the practice. You can, you need to make it about them. And what do you see that is them waving the white flag saying, Hey, we need help because that's the reason that they're lashing out. They're lashing out because there's, they're frustrated and it is impacting them. And so if you make it about that piece as a, as a manager, you're going to get a lot farther than you would if you went to them and said, Hey, Andy, I heard that, you know, I heard that you were talking about the fact that Stephanie gets out on time and she gets to take her lunch breaks every day. What's up with that? Like, oh, that yeah, conversation, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Well, you, I, I often hear it a lot worse than that because you, you even, you, you couldn't help yourself and you made it a little bit better at the end. Generally, it's Andy, I hear that you were talking trash about Stephanie. I need you to stop doing that. And if you don't, I'm going to write you up. Right. Period. <laughs> end of conversation. Yes. And like all of a sudden I have a huge, huge number of emotions. None of them are positive and they're going every which way. So mm -hmm. that's, don't do that. Don't do, just write it down. Just do not do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I'm totally, I'm totally with you. I, th I think this starts with a conversation with the other vets. I really like how you said you went to the, even the underlying problem of, I noticed that people are staying late or I noticed that you're staying late. I, I really think that, that that's really next level. I think the way that I would probably approach this is 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 pulling one of the doctors aside. Um, I, I like to, I would like to talk to him separately. I pull him across. Hey, can I talk to you real quick? And then say, I'm noticing or I'm hearing reports that uh, that some of the doctors are staying really late, and that's becoming a stressor. How do you, how are you feeling about that? Is that a problem that you're seeing? Mm -hmm. And it's super open, right? Super vague about where I'm going, but essentially I want to start the conversation and, and I will learn a lot based on what that vet comes back with. Cause they'll either go, yeah, you know, I mean, I got a lot going on at home these days and my kids are, they're just, um, they're seven years old now and it's, they're just starting to have homework for the first time. And that's really blah, 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 blah. Right. It's not about the other vet. It's about mm -hmm. this person's home life. And then they're mm -hmm. feeling this stress and the things like that. And now I can really support that person. And this is, again, this is how we get where we really want to go. But I got to get that insight. If I say, Hey, so tell me, you know, tell me about, uh, people are staying late. Are, are you seeing that? Is that something that you're, that you're experiencing and they go, Oh, let me tell you about David and how he's cheating to get out of here. I go, Oh, okay. You have a problem with David. Mm -hmm. Now, now we'll dig into that, but I don't really know what the problem is until we talk, right? It's classic seek first to understand. So open into question, get them alone, not accusatory. I, I, we're going to get around to the gossip problem and be like, Hey, you know, we want to make sure that we're communicating directly and not through other people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but, but I'm not going to go straight to that. Let's just see if we can get this conversation going in a happy, productive way where I can learn. I love that you, you just, uh, 
Jedi mind tricked in a way that I wouldn't have even thought of because my inclination as a manager would be actually to have talked to the doctors together so that they didn't feel individually attacked. Like I'm trying to source out who's, who's dealing with the gossip and just say, Hey guys, I've been noticing overall that this is a trend. Tell me, tell me about what is causing your, your struggles. And I probably would have approached it in that way because I feel like I would have gotten more information if they didn't feel um, called out, but I love what you said about um, when you talk to them one-on-one, you create the opportunity for them to share information with you that they might not, absolutely might not share in a group setting. They they might, depending on your practice culture and your doctors and the mix of personalities. But um, if someone was going to share, oh, hey, I've got a kid thing or I've got a home life thing, they may not at, at all feel comfortable sharing that in a group setting. And I, so I really love that you said that in terms of talking with them one-on-one. Well, well it's, it's funny. I mean, maybe it, I set up that way. I think you and I have, it's two different approaches. Uh, yours is more, yours is maybe more efficient. Mine is a little bit longer, but I have a higher probability of, of really cracking things open. And so let me say this too. If I have this conversation, it's going to be at least a two-step process because mm-hmm. I'm not going to have this conversation with one vet right. and, and dole out some sort of punishment or, right. or even I don't want to make any decisions, right? There's 100% information gathering. Mm-hmm. So I am not going to probably give any negative feedback. I just want to understand what's happening. And the mm-hmm. reason that I would put them apart too is it's amazing how often, as you said, uh, I'll hear from the technicians like, oh, the other vets are saying this. The other two vets are saying this, blah, blah, blah. Well, the truth is one vet is saying this and right. the other is being friendly, you know, right. and, yes. and, and, and nodding, you know, and go uh-huh. and, as, as we do, we've all had someone gossip to us and we haven't, sure. we haven't shut it down like we should. Instead, we have just smiled and gone along mm-hmm. or we maybe we've even just Maybe we just kicked a little bit of extra dirt on the person just so we could fit in. You know, it, mm-hmm. you you get those dynamics when you separate the people and you can kind of tell more, oh, you really have an issue with David mm-hmm. versus the other veterinarian really doesn't care that yeah. much, you know, and yep. and if we mention this one time, she's not going to do this again. Mm-hmm. But But you get that information. The downside to that is you are going to probably have to have a follow-up after after you've collected the stories. Then we come back and say, all right, this is the negative feedback conversation or this is the hard conversation is a separate step. So I, I do like to split it to split it apart. The other thing is that I don't see this necessarily as an urgent problem of like, we have to fix this because David's going to quit right. and go somewhere else. Like, well, you know, you know what? Let's take some time and talk to some people and just kind of figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's super important. And and just starting with opening the lines of communication and look, your team is going to be in the future from a management perspective. You can do no better service for yourself than to open the lines of communication and feel like your team can come to you with the the challenges because really like I mean you want to talk about next level next level is having an open door policy where your doctor team feels safe to come to you and talk about the challenges as a as a manager as a as a managing vet as a team leader to be able to come to talk to you and say you know I'm really struggling with this I'm I'm feeling really frustrated and 
acknowledge, I mean, I, I have had doctors have the conversation with me where they're like, yeah, I am really jealous of Andy because he's out of here at five o'clock every day and his charts are done and he leaves the practice and goes for a run at lunchtime. And I, I hate that. I, I, I really, I love him and I love that he can do that for himself, but I hate that because I want that for me too. I need your help. How do I, how do I get that? I mean, that is for me, that is an achievement that I absolutely want as a practice manager to have um, an open door policy where the team no matter who it is, doctor, um, team member, or otherwise feels comfortable coming and talking about it with, with me. And the way that you do that, the way that you achieve that, I think is laying the groundwork that you're talking about, which is doing your due diligence, getting the background story, cutting out the middlemen, don't play the telephone game, go to the source and get the information. Yeah, that's, that's the vet I want to hire. And that's the vet I want to be. Right. That's that's the learning mindset of, wow, I see this person, it, you, you know, their productivity is higher than mine. They're they're working up cases more thoroughly that they, they do mm-hmm. senior blood work on way more of their senior patients than I do. They're doing more dentistry than I am. Mm-hmm. How do I do, do that. that? How do I do that? Yep. You got to check your ego at the door to do that. And, and it's, yep. it's amazing how rarely vets, myself included, are willing to be vulnerable and say, yeah, oh, help me. But, oh boy, that is the key to everything. Well, and often as a manager, um, I hear vets go, well, that's why I don't look like, I don't like looking at the numbers because it encourages competition between vets. And that can absolutely be true if that is the culture that you create or the culture that you allow to be present. But looking at the numbers and looking at those things allows opportunity to do exactly what you just said, which is to check your ego at the door and say, this is someone that I can learn from. It doesn't matter that I've been out 13 years and they've been out five. If they are able to practice a quality of medicine that you aspire to practice for yourself, why can you not have the conversation and say, hey, I see from your numbers that you are doing senior senior workups on 90% of your patients. How do I, how do I, how do you, how do you do that? How do I do that? Yeah. I, it is absolutely an, a, a learning opportunity if we allow ourselves to take advantage of it. Right. All right. So let's wrap this thing up and nail, nail down the end. So we're management. We've, uh, let's say we've got a gossip problem. So we, Steph and I laid it out first to say, let's do some more investigation. Let's figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Based on what's going on, we're going to try to address the problem. Let's zoom out and just talk about gossip as a whole and just, mm-hmm. just hit it real quick. General rules for gossip. If you're in management, jump on rumors straight away. Yeah. Right. And I said, oh, we've got some time to figure this out. And, and I think in this specific case, I feel that way because this is specifically about one of the doctors and it was between the other doctors. I, I don't see this being something that rampantly spreads to the hospital. Generally, when we talk about rumors and we talk about so and so is getting a divorce or her mm-hmm. husband's cheating on her or whatever. Um, those are rumors that, that that spread throughout the hospital. Guys, we got to get on that stuff right away. Mm-hmm. And the problem is you might you might not have time to deal with this. Or you go, God, not today. We've got a full surgery schedule. Like we'll we'll deal with it this afternoon. <laughs> By the time we deal with this afternoon, it has spread again and again and morphed again and again. And the damage to the employee that this gossip was about, it has gotten back to her or him 
And it's all that they can think about for the whole day. And something that could have been shut down right away, we have let it go. And now it's become part of practice lore and the damage has been done. Mm -hmm. So don't sleep on rumors. We get on them and and we shut this down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that is so important. And it may not be that you're you're um dealing with it in the sense that you are making an edict or like, hey guys, this is that no longer this is a new policy that we're putting in place because of this situation. I don't think that's what we're talking about. I think we're both talking about um paying attention to it and starting to get information that has to start right away. Yeah, what do you mean when you say get information? Like, ooh, who's who's she cheating with? No, not that kind of information. <laughs> but the opposite kind of information, which is why is this happening? Where is it coming from? And getting getting not just the one side of the story, because I can't tell you how many times in practice I've been told by a team member that something is absolute fact. Like, oh, I heard this doctor saying this about this doctor. And when I actually have a conversation with that those doctors that are involved mm, the truth is much more mundane and like oh yeah I you know I was frustrated and I said this but in fact I've already talked to this doctor and told them that this is what I said and why I said it and so there you have to get that kind of information about like is this fact or fiction where is it coming from because the last thing you want to do is is um especially if it's coming down to a disciplinary level, the last thing that you want to do is act without all of all of the facts and all oh, of the yeah, information. Totally. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I think I think that type of information gathering is how we respond. So when I say take action on rumors, what's going on, get both sides of the story, figure out what's going on. I think that that's true. And then, and then honestly, um, reminders to the team about our policy mm-hmm. on Gossip. gossip and that means that we should have gossip in our um in our handbook mm-hmm. in our uh in our statement of team culture you know in any of those documents that we put out we should have a policy on gossip discussion discussing people's personal lives things like that that we can point and refer to this should not be new information to anybody it should be something that we can refer to and say guys you know the rules you know that we don't gossip we don't talk about people's personal lives if you have any problems or concerns, please come and let me know. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next thing that is paramount to handling a gossip problem in your practice is recognizing when you have chronic offenders. Yep. Totally. And 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 recognizing when this is a serial problem and you actually need to, as you said, you really need to deal with this one person because what the other vet is saying is is not actually they're just having the day where they're commiserating with their team member and they're nodding their head they're not the one i'm worried about i'm worried about my chronic offenders who are doing it over and over and over again definitely so those those people are causing real problems people ask me sometimes they're like well how do you get serious about this because it's it's gossip and like how many times can you go and tell somebody that they need to stop gossiping you know, how does that become a significant infraction? Like, what does that even look like? And my my point is this. We have these conversations with people, especially if they're chronic uh, in nature. These are people who gossip. And we say to them, this behavior needs to change. Will you commit to changing this? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what happens is 
you're not going to get fired because you gossip. You're going to get fired because you have repeatedly said that you would change your behavior and then yeah. not done so. Yep. You're going to get fired because you repeatedly uh, promised and then did not commit to the changes that we're making. And so it's not so much about gossip in the end. It's about truthfulness mm-hmm. and an unwillingness to change behaviors that are damaging. And that that's how we ultimately get to writing people up for gossiping and ultimately even termination for chronic offenders. Well, and I think that the solution to that lies in having a supportive culture. And if you can build a culture and a team where gossip Gossip isn't just a policy in your handbook, but it is actually not allowing gossip and not talking about each other behind each other's backs. Not uh, the the team agreement that my team always had was um, uh, you can say whatever you say as long as it um, you can say whatever you need to say as long as it goes towards meeting our mission and vision and abides by our values as a team. And you better believe that if you say something about another team member and another uh, in the presence of a, a third team member, that the expectation would be that they say to you, okay, now how are you going to say that to their face? What are you going to do about it? You need to take it to the person who could do something about it because telling me about it, venting to me is going to do no good unless you're prepared to deal with it. And that is the next level when you have that culture where the team as a whole is self-policing and um, calls each other to the mat when, when that kind of behavior is happening and they are shutting it down and they are not allowing it um, to happen. That it's not just reliant on you as a manager or you as a practice owner to say, Hey guys, this is not tolerable. It's not something we're going to accept whether you have to do write-ups or one-on meetings or whatever that it doesn't just fall to your shoulders to police that, but that the team as a whole plays a role in that. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, one, this can be tricky. I think an overall focus on positive culture and discussions of culture along and along, I think that's your pathway. And if your team knows that this is something that we care about is our culture, 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 they are more likely to buy into that and then they will take steps to help defend that culture. The other thing that's just a quick little tip that I've seen to be effective at kind of again and again is making sure that you know it takes two people to gossip, one to talk and one to listen. And then that way you are putting some onus on the person who's listening and engaging. And that just increases the likelihood that they are going to remove themselves from the situation or that they are going to say, Hey, uh, this sounds like some personal stuff. That's, uh, maybe not what we should be talking about at work. Yes. And, you know, anyway, just setting it up that way and make sure everyone's clear. Uh, gossip is a two person, uh, offense. And Mm -hmm. so don't get caught gossiping. Don't get caught listening to gossip. I Mm -hmm. I just, I've seen that be, uh, I won't say it's uniform, Universally effective because this can be a tricky problem, but it definitely increases the likelihood of success. Yeah, for sure. Cool. For sure. I I love it. And to to our <laughs> to our listener who is in um in these shoes right now, I think um they I think that 
you started in the right way. You looked at the numbers, you looked at yourself first. And then I think the next step, you have two choices. You can either let it go and decide that it doesn't matter to you. Or I think the next step is to ask for help from management or leadership and say, this is what I think is happening. I need your help. How do, how do I deal with it? Because you don't want the negativity to continue to spread throughout your team. All right. Completely agree. Well, thanks for talking to it with me. Yeah, I liked this one. We cool. will, uh, if you guys are listening and you are like, hey, I have something that I would love to hear Andy and Stephanie talk about on the podcast, you can email us, right? Yep. Podcast at unchartedvet.com. Love it. All have right. a good week, you guys. Take care, gang. Bye. And that is our episode. Guys, if you got questions, please shoot them along to me and Steph. We love to help. We really do. Our email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And we will talk to you again soon.